looking for a podcast about nothing, then you are definitely in the right spot. Join Ross Peterson and Mark Charter each week as they discuss life, current events, and the things you are not allowed to talk about at work. Okay, hang on, because here we go. This is Ross and Mark, Jump the Shark. Jump the Shark is sponsored by Charterhouse Real Estate. Charterhouse can help you save thousands when you sell, and we can help you buy your next home as well. Google Charterhouse to see hundreds of great reviews or learn more about us at charterhouseiowa.com. Now here is the show. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. I can feel it in my plums, too, as Ross Peterson is back. He's here to tell some interesting stories. Yeah, uh, yeah. His mom is still here. That woman is tougher than Rawhide. But before we get to that, we got to uh, give a shout-out today. It's Bensie. To a couple people. Yeah! We got someone else to give a shout-out to today, too. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy Adam Vince's birthday today. Vince, as we call him around here. Happy birthday. Ross, here you go. Who else will have a birthday today? It's oh, my goodness. Are we having an actual birthday today? I think we are. A birthday. Did you give us the real name yesterday? No. <laughs> no. So KK is giving uh, getting uh, induced today. KK is having a baby today. Oh man! So it's gonna be a little little KK baby day, as well. So I needed that news. That's great. That is amazing. So man. yesterday, unprompted by KK, I sent out a, a message to our work group <laughs> announcing the birth of her baby, <laughs> Chloe Rose. I gave her a weight and a length and all of that. And KK texted me privately. She's like, I hate you. I'm laughing my ass off. Oh, you had not texted KK No, before. no, no, no. It was, just out of, <laughs> it was just out of the blue. So everyone starts sending congratulation messages. And I love the name and stuff. She hadn't had a baby. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm just, and I'm then just yeah, a jerk. I, get, I, I was so confused by that because... I got the message from you. It said, hey, everybody, everybody congratulate KK. So everybody's congratulating her. And then all of a sudden, KK just sent a picture of her in front of the bathroom mirror with her belly. Yeah, pregnant. Pregnant. And I was, and it took me a second, because I'm an idiot, to go, oh, Mark was messing with us. Yeah. I get it now. What a dick. And now it's going to be, now it's going to be Boy Who Cried Wolf. Oh, yeah. So, like, now you've got to text Well, KK. I can't announce it today. There's no way, dude. She's going to have to announce her own baby. <laughs> no, this is what I'm saying. you got to reach out to KK and say, hey, when you, when you have the baby, let me know, and I'll tell the group. And then you send out the real information today. Yeah. You send out the real, hey, guys, KK just had the baby, yep. 135. Here's the real name. Here's I and, think I think I, I think I know go, the name. I, Shut up, Mark. You're I lying, Mark. I think I actually know the name. She did tell me I'm not going to break that news here so she can but it's not, she might change she might change it's not chloe it's not, <laughs> unless she loved the name that i made up yesterday <laughs> chloe, so i, chloe I totally wanted to find a picture of a not so attractive baby and send it out <laughs> just to see but like, oh she's she's so beautiful it's the can old you, kramer from seinfeld you, where he sees the baby can you google ugly newborn oh i bet you can 
I bet my, you my can. My phone's across have, the room. I have no doubt about it. <laughs> I so. kind of want to do that now. Well, I'm glad we uh, started with a laugh because we're going to talk about the last, uh, what, two weeks, really. Which aren't going to, this isn't going to be, of, I promise you life. this isn't going to be depressing. I you've, promise You've me. come a long way, though, but I think your perspective is really interesting on the, uh, really the entire process because I know that publicly you would put out early on that you guys were like, pissed basically that you know you were being barred from seeing your mother and all this covid stuff so uh yeah i just wanted to give you the chance to kind of talk about because yeah. you haven't been okay. on your show either i this haven't has, for two weeks this is the first time this is the first thing this I've is done. exclusive shit <laughs> yeah, right, here, right exclusive shit so if you want to know what ross has been through this is the one to be listening to yeah because again in the afternoon on the on kx no we'll just be restricted by so much you know what i mean i can probably talk about this for like a couple minutes but that's that's it uh, so yeah, thanks for, I want, cause I want to do this. I, I want to talk about what this process has been. Let's, I want to go all the way back. Cause you said that I was, and I'm still pissed off about how the hospital system right now in an effort to protect people from COVID, which I'm okay with. I, I, I'm not as, I'm not an anti COVID guy or something like that. Within I'm not, reason. I'm not, I would ext- throw in. Yeah, right. I'm not an extremist on this on either way, but yeah, this is wrong. What we're doing to people. So my mom has been fighting cancer since December. I think we even talked about that on this show. That yep. mom got diagnosed right before Christmas. So 2020 started sucking real early for me. Yeah. Then I got fired in January. Yeah. All that stuff. What a year the, for the you. The only good thing about 2020 has been Charter House. Woo! Can I tell you all that? All right. Like, my interactions with Mark have been the best parts of 2020. Sweet. Uh, so mom took a pretty bad turn a few weeks ago. Uh, over the weekend, in fact, it was three weeks ago, Mark, today, we were at lunch, and I got a really bad phone call. That mom had gone in for a test. We thought that test was going to show that everything had continued to shrink, and that mom was going to be approved for surgery, and we'd go in and cut out these tumors, and then we were going to have another five to ten years with my mom. And the test came back the exact opposite. Everything had grown. Uh, the cancer had shifted to a tumor had grown on her left side now also, so she had she was diagnosed with stage four back in December, which basically means it was moving that it it, it started in her colon or rectum and had metastasized. I think that's the word. Yeah, moved to another part of her body, which means it's in your blood and that and you got some bad stories happening. Now it was in her lymph nodes, it was in her liver, it was all sorts of places. And and that phone call came to me while I was at lunch with you and your wife and KK, and that was tough, man. Because again, I went in that day from thinking, hey, we're gonna get a phone call about mom's got surgery on Friday. And we're going to get 10 years to things are really bad. And we're probably, in you'll never think of lucky bamboo the same way. again. I don't even remember where we were. <laughs> That's to be where honest we were. with you. Not uh, so lucky. Was it? Yeah. I don't even remember my food that day. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, that started. Uh, so that weekend, so that was Thursday and Friday of three weeks ago. That weekend, we all took as much advantage of being around mom as we could. We spent every day, minute of Friday, Saturday, and most of Sunday with mom and dad, hanging out, all the kids, doing what, because we're very close, very tight family. I mean, almost that kind of nuclear family. What was her mood at the time during um, those days? Had definitely shifted, Yeah. okay, because mom's an extremely optimistic lady, very fun, uh, absolutely loved life, and I'll tell you some stories about that as we talk about her here, but she, I mean... The things that a lot of people say about folks when they die, all these things were true about my mom. She just was a person that loved getting out and doing and being a part of life and family, and she's an amazing woman. Uh, So that was our Saturday and Sunday were kind of dedicated to just hanging out with mom, pouring love onto her, 
trying to keep her comfortable because you could tell that she was she was wearing a heating pad on her on her belly and just kind of stayed in her recliner. For the first time that weekend, she started to take some heavier pain medications. Um, so we did notice mom was never, she was a hippie, but it had been, you know, 50 years since she'd been a hippie. So was she really yeah. she was, yeah. flowers in her hair and all that? Oh, stuff. Oh, dude, I'll tell you the story is amazing. Wow. Sleeping in the parks. Yeah. It's amazing. My favorite story of hers is about the moon landing. I'll tell you that. Okay. But anyway, she, uh, we, uh, so being on those pain pills, she got kind of loopy that weekend. Right. So we noticed that. And then Sunday night, she had a really bad night. And just was in pain all night and didn't feel good. And dad's worst nightmare, as we were with him Thursday and Friday, he kept saying, man, my worst nightmare is I'm going to take her into that hospital, and then we don't, I don't ever see her again. And he would cry. My dad's a tough, tough SOB, man. And my dad would cry for the, like the third time in my life I saw my dad cry, thinking about this nightmare that could lay out ahead of us if we took my mom to the hospital and then yeah. couldn't see her anymore. Sunday night that happened. Dad, she's had a bad night. She's got to get in. She was supposed to have an exam on Monday to go in for some chemo treatments. But dad took her to the ER, and, and she walked into the emergency room on Monday morning, essentially. Uh, and then that was it. She walked into the ER, and dad was able to sit in the emergency room with her while doctors came in and checked her out and, and to see what was wrong and did some analysis. Once they made the decision to admit my mom, now my dad all of a sudden is a danger to everyone around him, right? Mm -hmm. Because he can't be around other patients, he can't be around doctors. But my mom, who's exposed to every single germ that my dad would have been carrying yep. with him, and my dad vice versa, now they've got to separate these two people. Okay, I, I don't understand why there's not a policy in place that says, if you've walked in with this person and you're willing to basically quarantine with this person, you go up to the room with them. Now, I'm sure yeah. you explored every op option that was available to you. Is one of them, like I'm reminded, like when, when my wife gave birth, um, she had C-section, so I was yeah. in an operating room for her. I had to put on the mask and the gown and, you know, gloves and all of that stuff. I had to be scrubbed in, basically. Right. I have a picture of my, before my, Audrey's C-section. Yeah, is there, they won't even allow for that. No. Doesn't that seem a little oh, it seems in, it, un uncaring and, and, and Mark, just ridiculous? See, I don't, I'm, I want to be careful here because it's not, it's not uncaring, okay? It's not, I don't think that the people that are enforcing these policies, as we learned over that weekend, the people that are enforcing these policies aren't evil. They, they think they suck also, but they've got bosses. They've got bosses who have bosses who have bosses, and it all boils down to- This is all about to, lawsuits and exactly, money. Exactly. It all boils down to cover your ass- and, and it's liability. not about humanity. That's no. the problem. It's certainly not about patient care. Yeah. Because every one of those people in those positions said to me, your mom would be better off with you guys in that room. 100%. Your mom would. 100%. Yeah, especially a woman who's dedicated her life to family and has such a strong it's, family. It's probably her. the best thing it for would her. Be, it's why we saw such an incredible decline in that week. So she went into the hospital on Monday. We had a couple of attempted phone calls with her over the course of Tuesday and Wednesday. My wife works at the hospital, tried to get a cell phone up to her room, and, and basically had to leave it with a nurse, but we never got a phone call from that phone. She never answered that phone. So Thursday, again, Monday, we got the phone call. Mom's, we took mom into the hospital. Worst case scenario, we can't see her. Here's what room she is in, and you can call the room. So Monday, we worked on getting the phone up to her. Made a couple of phone call attempts. Uh, didn't ever, I never got to talk to her. I got to talk to her finally on Tuesday night. For where where are you at physically when this is happening? Home. 
Home. Home, yeah. yeah. And because we hadn't even, again, this was before, this was two and two and a half weeks ago now, so we hadn't even kind of come together as a family unit as one yet. You know what I mean? We'd, sure. We, uh, we were still kind of bouncing around, doing our own thing, thinking mom's going to get out of the hospital at some point or they're going to figure this thing out. She had she got diagnosed with E. coli, which is, you know. Yeah. So there were, there were just all these things that were kind of piling up right away. And we are noticing as... I'm talking to my brother and my sister and my dad about the phone calls that they're able to have with her. These very brief phone calls. When I say very brief, like my phone call with her on Tuesday night of that week was, hey, Ross, I just hit the button to have them help me come get to the restroom. Let me call you right back when they, when they get here. I called about, a, I waited about a half hour. I called the room again. She answered the phone and said, Ross, they still haven't come to get me. I'm still waiting here. I'm hitting the button. Okay, so now I'm getting pissed. I'm like, what? There's nobody there with her, okay? And... I never did get to talk to her that night. That my, my last real cognitive conversation with my mom back and forth was about how nobody was helping her go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So Wednesday, try to make a couple phone calls, and things are bad. I mean, you can tell mom's not answering questions the right way. She's getting Things are slipping. But again, she's on heavy doses of pain medication that yep. she's never done. So I'm, I'm discounting it to that. I'm just saying that's, uh, that's what's happening. Sure. She's loopy. Thursday, the phone call comes from you that you're with me that says, Things are bad. Okay. Or no, that, I'm sorry. It was that following Thursday after that when mom's in the hospital. Um, I was getting ready to take the kids to Adventureland. I was going to take that day off because my wife was out of town in Alabama with some work friends. And my dad called and said he had just received a phone call from the hospital and we needed to make some end of life decisions for mom. That things had gone that, that bad that yeah. quickly. Yep. Uh, so we went over to dad's house. We went over a lot of moms. We'd all, we've had these conversations with mom. I've had some amazing conversations with my mom in my lifetime, luckily. And I knew everything. My sister did also all of my mom's wishes about this. Do not resuscitate. She has all of these legal documents signed about how far she wanted to go. She never wanted to be kept alive by machines and all that sort of stuff. She wants to be cremated. So we all knew a lot of this stuff. Okay. But to sit there and have that conversation and do it with your dad and your brother and your sister is in is incredibly painful and difficult and to say to to have to actually say the words like we're willing to let mom die was heart-wrenching it's not abstract anymore no it's not man it's right in front of you you know it's real and you're you're sitting in her living room you know what i mean with the pictures around you and uh yeah it that the weight of it starts to really set in and then on top of it we're still being held back from talking to her and seeing her so that i went I went scorched earth Thursday and Friday. Um, called every person I could, man. I, I, and I and called called people that hospitals that other hospitals to say, here's the situation I'm in. What do I do? Yeah. And I learned a lot of stuff. I learned a lot of little key phrases and things that you can ask for within a hospital that really will make things move very quickly. Um, asking for a hospice consult was even though it didn't come when we asked for it, it made it made bricks move. Um, asking to get a uh, uh, a patient advocate, asking to get uh, guest services involved, which is to me so weird that a hospital has sounds something like a hotel guest services. What, but anyway, the, the the patient advocate angle, you would think everyone has a patient advocate already because they're a patient in the hospital. Is that not true? Well, so the patient advocate is kind of a misnomer also. It's almost, it's the same as guest services. It's the same as 
Uh, they have another name for it, customer service, something like that. It's ridiculous. It basically that's a that's kind of like their internal affairs. And I hate to I'm I'm painting it with sure. a broad brush, and it's not a fair way to put it, but it's the way of saying. I want, I want some, to make sure that everything is in check. Mark, a hospital is just like any other office. Everybody that's listening to this that's worked with a group of people knows that every day you show up, there's somebody there that doesn't want to be there. There's somebody there that just sucks at their job. They're just bad. Certainly. They're, 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 sometimes the people that are good at their job aren't having good days, and they're, having, they're, they're off. Sometimes people are just looking at the clock, waiting until 5, and there's a person or two that are doing a lot of the work. And they're doing a good job, and they're trying to keep everything afloat. Every sure. office I've ever worked in has had that dynamic in some way or another. A hospital is the exact same way. Exact same. So the more you can be the squeaky wheel, because that's which job gets done. They, yeah. they'll, they'll send those people that are doing the jobs and getting the shit done to go take care of the problems that are causing the most issue. Sure. So if you can be that problem, if you can be they'll the They'll dump the grease on they'll you. They'll dump the grease on you. And that's exactly what happened was... Thursday night after we had these really hard decisions and then tried to call my mom and we could tell things were way off base now. Um, she started, one of, the, one of the ladies that was a, I don't remember, care advocate, something, that went in to see my mom, called us to reassure us that my mom was doing just fine and started the conversation by saying, I just had the most wonderful conversation with your mom about her two daughters. My mom doesn't have two daughters. Mm-hmm. So we, we, and I just let the lady talk, and she said two or three things that were nonsensical, and then I unloaded on her and said, "You, this is the problem." You just told me that yeah, she's talking nonsense. Yeah, you just proved to us that she can't answer her own questions; that she yeah. can't be in that room by herself. Yeah. When you guys walk in the room and say, "Are you feeling any pain, Gene?" She's gonna say no. Yeah. And then another part of this was my dad, who loves my mom more than any man has ever loved a woman. I think he just is, and and he wants so much for her to be home and what you know give her the things that she wanted sure. to have i i don't know this but i after talking to a few of the doctors on my own at times i got the impression that my dad inadvertently was kind of backing up some of the things that my mom was saying so if my mom my dad i i think had the idea that if my mom was slipping cognitively that that would hurt that maybe we would lose her even faster you know what i mean they put her in a different yeah. So if they would call and say, hey, Gene told us this stuff, my dad would go, yep, if Gene said it, that's, that's right and that's accurate. And as they would repeat some of this stuff to me, I'd go, no, 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 no. You're, you can't keep checking this information with, with just my dad. We've got a 46-year-old sister, a 44-year-old son, and a 42-year-old son. Get them son. involved. Get us involved and bring us in, and we can help you out with this stuff. Um, so the fighting and fighting and fighting that day got us a meeting with – the hospital where my dad and my sister were able to go up into the room. Um, my brother and I sat in my dad's pickup truck. We all drove from, from my dad's house with him. We sat in the pickup truck with uh, our, our speaker phone on. My sister walked into the room with her phone on speakerphone so we could hear everything that we could be a part of the conversation. And uh, that was a tough one because they told us thir that on Thursday night at about five o'clock, we asked about bringing her home to hospice. This was two weeks ago today. I'm sorry. This is a week ago today, and now I'm all confused. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they told us that, yeah, this was two weeks ago. I'm so confused. It doesn't matter. They told us that we were jumping the gun on hospice, which is a final six months. If the doctor thinks that you have six months to live, 
That, that is the, the hospice window, they say. Okay. And the doctor told us, you guys are jumping the gun. After calling us Thursday morning and saying, make your end-of-life decisions because if she has another night like she had last night, she's probably going to die. Mm-hmm. So that makes no sense at no all. No sense at all, Mark. None. So Friday, and that meeting was incredibly frustrating, and I was screaming over the phone, and finally my dad hollered at my sister to turn off the speakerphone because I was causing more problems than helping. And I was. I was, I was upset. I was mad that nobody could sit there. That They were now going to kick my dad and my sister out of the room. Um, my, I, we heard my mom ask, can my boys come up and see me? And they said no. That killed me. I was pissed, mm-hmm. right? So Friday morning, I woke up with the, an inferno inside of me. And I went crazy. And I called every single person at the hospital. And I screamed and yelled at every one of them. And I told them how fucked up this was that... My mom, I, I knew my mom was dying. I knew that she was in her final days of her life, and they were keeping us away from her. And they weren't even, they had admitted that they basically were done with care the next day. So Friday, I, I, I fired up the engines enough that we were allowed to have another meeting with mom, and the doctor agreed to sit down with my brother and I. 24 hours after telling us we were jumping the gun on hospice, they told us that we couldn't do hospice because my mom was too weak to move. Mm-hmm. So that she was going to have to die in the hospital. You're like, which is it? She had 24 hours to live. Yeah. And, and at that point, at 6.30 on Friday night, they told us, you guys can go in two at a time. We had a family of 17 sitting at, at we had a camp outside of Powell. Uh, you can go in two at a time and say your goodbyes. So we started to do that. And we just, we literally had a camp outside of the hospital. Um, we set up our lawn chairs outside of this picnic table, and we had a, I mean, I guess a vigil, for lack of better terms, yeah. for almost 24 hours a day. Uh, if you went by Powell, you saw members of my family sitting outside of that hospital, and we continued to rotate up and see mom and spend as much time as we could with her and spend the night um, Got a few cognitive moments with her where we could actually talk to her and share memories, but I'm mean, not even share memories. Probably say I love you, get an I love you back, you know that sort of thing. Um, having her family around her Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, my mom rallied. She saw. I mean, again, they told us on Friday night we're done with care. We can't beat the cancer. It's one. She's gonna die. Everything's shutting down. Mm-hmm. It's it's end of life care now. And we're just going to give her morphine and this drug called lorazepam, which is like a, a Valium. And we're going to keep her comfortable for the next couple of days, and she's going to pass away. And that was two weeks ago. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They said she's got a, a 24 hours to live. Go up and say your goodbyes. So we did, and we, and we did that. And she rallied. We, being around family, we all saw it. The, when the grandkids would come in, you'd see a spark come back in. And uh, Sunday night, they told us, we think you guys can get home. We think that you guys can do this. You've got a great support staff. We think you guys can do this thing at home. Let's, let's sign you up for hospice and home care. We said, yes, let's do this. Let's get her to her living room because she hated hospitals. That's why, we're, that's why we got in this situation. She never went to the doctor. Yep. Uh, so let's get her out of home get, or get her out of the hospital. And I even thought, Mark, I think I maybe told you, man, that I, I was convinced that it was going to be that getting out of those four walls because she was so weak and she was so near death that I thought that the hot, that the, the ride in the ambulance would be enough. One final kind of car ride, one mm-hmm. final journey, and she'd be out. 
And that didn't happen. She made it home. And so we got to prove Sunday night. Monday, the derecho happens. What's it called? Yep. So dad loses power. So now she had to stay in the hospital Monday and Tuesday night. Wednesday, dad's got his power restored. We got her home Wednesday of last week. So we started doing 24-hour care. When we got her home Wednesday, the hospice nurse said, you're not going to make it to the weekend. I mean, she's in her final hours here. So we started mixing up morphine and lorazepam at the kitchen table. And my brother and my sister and I started doing 24-hour shifts. Um, somebody was with her every hour. Somebody had to be up and given mom an oral injection of the drugs. She had a few cognitive moments at home. She knew that she was home. She knew that her grandkids were around her. And then, uh, then those drugs kind of kicked in, and we really got on top of all of her pain, which also meant that she's now kind of catatonic, I guess. Right? I mean, she, you, it's weird, Mark, when people talk about this time, and uh, they talk about how that person can still hear. Because the hospice nurses tell us over and over, your mom can still hear everything that's happening in the room. She can. And you know because when you're telling a story, you can see her facial reactions jumping into the conversation mm -hmm. you know when somebody's wrong about something you can see her kind of yeah you know grimace like oh no 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 that's the wrong detail or when it's something fun or funny her eyebrows go up and she's still laughing and uh it's been an amazing couple of weeks here man the, the as hard as it is to say goodbye and as hard as it is to prepare to say goodbye because i haven't even had to do that yet um this has been the this has been the, the best possible way that I could have gone through this. Uh, my close family, who I, I'm, I'm so blessed, man. I mean, mom, dad, brother, and sister are like, each one of them is like a Disney character. I mean it. <laughs> I mean it, man. They're, they're amazing. I'm so, yeah. so lucky. My brother, who has always been my hero, has exceeded every one of those expectations. When people say, like, hey, man, be strong for your family, sure. I'm a marshmallow. <laughs> I'm crying all the time. I'm lucky I've gotten this far through this without yeah. breaking down. Um, you know, I, I am, and my brother is that rock. My brother, I wish I had that ability. And my mom was that way too, by the way. I only saw my mom cry a handful of times in her life uh, when her youngest brother died of a heart attack and when her mom and dad died. And that was it. She's a tough, tough lady. And she had fun. She, was, she wasn't mean. She was just tough. Yeah. And that's my brother. My brother got all of those characteristics. He is super fun. He loves every day. He loves every minute of life. And it's been amazing to see him uh, deal with all this and process this. My sister is a pastor and has a huge heart. And she, her and I are a lot more alike. We've been bawling a lot. We've been reminiscing a lot about uh, how lucky we were. But the cool thing, Mark, has been how my close family has come closer during this. Um, that somehow mom figured out one more way to like, I don't know, either reiterate it to us to show us again uh, or to actually give us some sort of lesson in family and, um, and just enjoying this time. Cause as weird as it is, we have, we have, we've enjoyed these last couple of weeks of, of watching mom pass away. How do you and feel I, like it's, it's changed you? The, the entire experience. Cause you've gone through something for now two weeks that a lot of people frankly don't go through no I mean, that, unfortunately that yeah right mark unfortunately i have a lot of friends man who it was an instantaneous thing you know it was a phone call of an accident or um an incident and it was just like boom the wall is built in front of you 
And I got to climb this hill really slowly. It might have seemed like some of those steps were really, really tall, but I got over each one of them, and and it kept going. And I and I think about that a lot. How, again, how unfortunate the beginning of this process was to be held away from my mom and to have had many of those final cognitive moments stolen from us. We did. I mean, the the and the, again, those hospital workers, they all hated it. They didn't want to keep us from mom and dad, and they did everything they could to, or from mom. They did everything they could to get as many of us up there as as possible. They were awesome. Once we got past the bureaucracy of it all, the people were great. And and once the people got to know us, it was great also. We we became friends with the security guards and the nurses and all that. I mean, they got to understand that we weren't these crazy idiots who made a thousand phone calls a day. We just loved our mom. I did do one thing I think you'd really like, Mark, because everybody down there thought I was an asshole. (laughs) Everybody, man. I called every single number that that, that would ring and bitched at everybody, screamed and yelled and poured my heart out to them about how my mom was the most important woman in my life for the last 42 years, and I was losing her. And they, and it didn't, they weren't going to be able to tell me, well, there's 500 other people that are going through the same thing. You have people with broken legs up there that are 17. Yeah. That's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. Don't, and, and, and you don't, you have a couple people up there that are dying. You don't have any of them that are setting up a camp outside of the hospital. Mm-hmm. That should show you something. And it did. It just took a while to cut through all that red tape sure. and, and get to that. Uh, but knowing that everybody down there knew that I was an asshole. I keep a t-shirt in my repertoire for this exact reason, okay? I busted out my Beto for Iowa (laughs) t-shirt. So as I walked in there, everybody was like, oh, look at that. That asshole's obviously a liberal. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. For all of our liberal friends, I threw you under the bus for... uh, <laughs> Beto, yeah, for, Beto Iowa. for Iowa. That so, didn't uh, pan out. Yeah. So uh you know, Mark, it was um it's been amazing, man. It's it's been horrible. It's been every like extreme of that emotional triangle. Sans happiness, I guess. You know yeah. what I mean? There, there haven't been happy moments, but there have been there have been tears of joy. There have been uh, my sister and I were laughing so hard one night at about three thirty, four in the morning that my dad thought the sound of my sister laughing was actually my mom choking. Oh, really? And he kind of jumped out of bed and came running, which was a frantic moment in those, you know, to yeah. convince him that everything was fine and, and get him back to bed. And my dad is not, I mean, my dad is uh, struggling, man. And we're yeah. worried a lot about him because yeah. he's 73. He's had a lot of health issues, a lot of heart issues, and he's been very dependent on my mom. We were all, we were all built for life without my dad, I think. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, we all thought dad would die 20 years before mom. Yeah. And now these last six months, I mean, even a year ago, dude, we all thought that uh, dad had had heart attacks. He's had surgeries. He's had bypass. He has just had a tough life. Yeah. Right. And he, and he wears those stresses and anxieties daily sometimes. So this has, this has really worn him down. So we worry yeah. a lot about him. Obviously, you guys still have the final moment that's yet to come, and yeah. and even though you've got a couple of weeks to kind of build up to it, I think there's, um, you know, and I, I've I've never been in the room where somebody passes away, um, but the finality of it, I think, will probably hit everybody. Yeah, again, it will. You know, you'll you'll have that moment. It's We've like, had oh, I'm sad all over again. Yeah. you know, I just went through all of this and felt pretty good about things, but then it was like. It's just the realization that that's that that's it, and that's the sad part of life, and it happens. But I, I wish I had almost would have done like a daily 
diary or journal on this because the emotions of it, how they've evolved have been quite amazing. Cause those first couple of days that we had mom there, um, you know, we, we, they were very somber. Every moment of it was a vigil. You know, we were, we were waiting for that last breath. Um, the, the hospice nurses that helped us get set up that first Wednesday said she won't make it to the weekend. You guys have, the, you're in the final hours here. Not, you might have a couple of days. Friday night, the nurse was standing around and said, listen, you, you're not going to make it through the weekend. It's, this is, you're, 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 it's coming. Saturday, we learned a term called the death rattle, which is, uh, uh, it, it kind of sounds like a rattlesnake is in your throat when you start to breathe out. And that happens in the last 24 hours to 48 hours of your life. So Saturday, we started hearing that, and the nurse said, okay, we're not going to make it through the weekend. Saturday night, they came and said, she's not going to make it through the night. She's probably going to pass away in the next 12 hours. So my brother and sister and I did the 12-hour thing again. We all stayed the night. We had all of our, in, you know, my, my wife came. We had uh, my, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law. Everybody was there for, to be with dad yeah. and be with mom. Yeah. Sunday, the nurse showed up and said, she's kind of recovered here a little bit. Um, yeah, not, so they, not recovered. Not recovered, but, yeah. but yeah, she yeah. yeah, but the death yeah. rattle's gone, which doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's her, her extremities, uh, one of the things, another sign that you're getting close is blood will start to go away from the fingers and toes and out of the extremities, and you'll see them kind of turn gray. Uh, that has happened, and then 12 hours later, her hands are pink again. I'm just wondering, like, I, I'm always curious just about the actual physical components of things. Like, obviously, she's... She's rallying. She's she's beating their time frames, et cetera. But at the same time, you're saying he's, she's not eating. She's not drinking. I mean, hasn't had it, food or drink in three weeks, Mark. So I'm like, how? Yeah, <laughs> you so, know, it's dude, like funny. There, there, there's a there's a physical answer to it. You know what I'm getting yeah. at? There's yeah. like there's a reason that it's happening. So we've actually asked a lot of those questions to the nurses and stuff because when you have that much, when you're there for 24 hours a day, yeah, you get to talk to a lot of different people and you get to ask a lot of. You know, at 3 a.m., you ask questions that you never thought you would have asked. Sure. Am I starving my mom to death? Yeah. I mean, because we haven't given her food or water in three weeks. We like took she her, wouldn't want we it. We took her food, food feeding tube out, uh, which she hadn't had. She hadn't eaten food for months. I mean, she yeah. just hadn't had an appetite and had been on a feeding tube. Yeah. Um, which may have been where she got the E. coli, ironically. But yeah. uh, the, the answers to these things are are complicated, but they, they are somehow soothing that your body, you know, you and I are obviously up and moving around and we're talking and we're doing stuff. So we're burning all these calories. So you've got to put fuel back in the tank. Sure. Constantly. Mom is just laying there. Okay. And most of her organs are shutting down. So she's not burning. I mean, like I said, it's weird because she's actually kind of like gaining weight. Now, we understand that, it's, that there's some other stuff happening that's just giving that impression. You know, the yeah. gas is building up and things like that. Uh, but it's been, been odd to see this. Now, you remember that young lady who was down in Florida who went th through this for years? Do you remember that? I uh, do, yeah. And there was an argument about her family about, with the doctors about, hey, we're, you're just starving this lady to death. And that's not exactly what's happening just because your body's burning zero calories while you're just laying there. And then you are getting drugs and morphine and, you know, yeah. and things like that to that also mask all that pain. So the morphine's cutting off all of those pain receptors. So as the body is shutting down and as her body would normally be going, ow, my kidney, ow, my liver, ow, these things. Oh, I haven't pooped in weeks. 
you know, all of those pain receptors have been cut off. So she can't feel any of that. And it literally is just a matter of waiting until her heart decides that it can't keep up with trying to sustain all. And of inevitably your organs. heart needs energy and it needs That's it. everything else yeah. to, to run. So it makes sense that it just stops yeah. at some and point. Mark, and her breathing has slowed and your, your breathing can slow to a point of like a breath a minute, we were told. Yeah. Which is, you know, you, you, when you're with somebody like that, and at, one, at points in the hospital, Mark, let me give you an idea of how long and why my time frames are all messed up here. We were literally counting seconds. For, a, for days at a time, my brother would sit there with his stopwatch and hit every time mom took a breath because we were watching it go from seven seconds to nine seconds to 15 seconds to 20 seconds. And then you'd go, oh my gosh, we're really getting close. And then all of a sudden it'd go back to four seconds and then yeah. eight seconds. And then, so you know, everybody knows from sitting in class and watching the clock or sitting at yeah. work and watching the clock. When you're watching the minutes tick by, it makes the hours go, go long. When you're literally counting the seconds, mm -hmm. Those days turn into weeks, man. Yeah, super, super, super. Yeah, long. yeah. So it's been... Uh, I think one of the takeaways here with all the, the estimates of she's going to die tomorrow or whatever is at the end of the day, a lot of times they are guessing. Now, they might have they might be guessing based on past experiences, what they've seen before, but they're still guessing. Yeah. I was telling you um, a story, not, you know, not to compare to your mom because clearly your mom's at the end of her life, but... Um, my grandmother, when I was roughly, I don't know how old I was, 16, maybe 15, 16, something like that. Um, maybe even a little bit younger. My grandmother, um, essentially OD'd. Now, whether it was accidental or on purpose, we don't know, but, um, she OD'd, went to the hospital, um, got hooked up to machines, all of that. And then the doctor had a conversation with my, my mom and other family members about, um, should we pull the plug? And the advice at the time was, we don't think she's going to be able to come back from this. And our advice is to pull the plug. And my mom's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just chill out on the plug talk, you yeah. know? So, um, obviously didn't, didn't decide to pull the plug. Grandma starts to get better and better and better. Yeah. I was telling my grandma died like two years ago. Dude. Yeah. Right. You told me this. two years ago and she was normal. <laughs> she like for another 25 years. She was like normal. Yeah after this i mean the fact that like that so if you're ever in the situation like advising to pull the plug just pull back on those reins a second because that person's not going anywhere if they're on a on a ventilator or whatever at that time anyway right you can take a couple of days you can think about these things but think about how wrong that particular physician was yeah, yeah. You, couldn't, make, you couldn't be and, more wrong and mark than that. by the way doesn't make him a bad doctor it's just wrong. Made him wrong in that moment. Like every human being, this is exactly what I'm talking about with doctors and nurses. They're wonderful people. They're really smart. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to drag them down at all. They're people. They're human beings. They absolutely make mistakes. They, they absolutely look past some jobs. They walk past trash on the floor. They're human beings. And sometimes if you, if you need to, you got to raise some noise. It happens in every single industry. Mark, we see it in real estate, right? You see it where people are sometimes just not great at their job. I mean, yeah. hell, we're on that realtor exchange thing on Facebook. <laughs> we see it. We see it all the time. Yep. We and, do. And, and it doesn't make those people horrible realtors. It just means in that moment, they had a brain fart. They had a moment where they went, oh, I don't, you know, or they're, or they're terrible. <laughs> or, they're, or they are terrible. It, I want to tell you some things, like to give you an idea of what my mom. Yeah was 
how, how, what, how my mom lived her life. This was a real day with my mom where she would call in the morning and say, I'm coming to pick up the kids. She had more, we called her the Energizer Bunny when she was 74 years old. She retired last year, Mark, at 74. And she didn't retire because she was tired. She retired because she didn't, they'd hired some people she didn't like. Okay. <laughs> She's like, yeah, they hired some new people. I don't want to deal with training new people. So I'm I just out. told them I'm finally done. Yeah. yeah. At 74. And everybody that she worked with, A, they adored her. That's the word that we heard over and over is we adored your mom. And over and over we heard nobody had the energy of your mom. The, the kids couldn't keep up with her. And her own grandkids, she would work you until the day was done, and then she kept going. Yep. So she'd call in the morning and say, I'm coming to pick up the kids. And she'd come pick the kids up, and you'd go to the farmer's market to start the day. And then when you left the farmer's market, you'd go to the science center, and you'd spend some time there. And then maybe when you left the science center... Uh, you'd go to the zoo and walk around the zoo. And then maybe you could swing by Adventureland because everybody had season passes. So uh, you could go in and just ride a couple of rides for a little bit. And then maybe before you left downtown, though, you went to Spaghetti Works because Spaghetti Works kids eat free. So you could e eat lunch and have a good lunch there. And that'd give you the energy to go walk around Adventureland. And then, uh, you know, maybe you'd hit a movie after Adventureland and then you'd make time for ice cream before. And that was like... This was not a day. That wasn't like a special day with grandma. This was every day, Mark. The lady wasn't working. Yeah. She had grandkids going, 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 going. You'd go to Monkey Joe's. You'd go to yeah. uh, Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, every place that a kid can go, they know my mom. They know her yeah. because she was there all the time. My favorite story I started to tell you earlier about how my mom did. She's such an example of living life every day, of, of living life right in front of you. Um. When the moon landing, the 50th anniversary happened last year, I thought maybe I'd told you the story. I, I was with my mom and dad, and I said, Dad, what do you remember about the moon landing? And my dad went into this amazing memory. My dad had served three tours on the USS Hornet in Vietnam. And when he came back from his third tour and got off the ship, that ship was being restocked to go out into the Pacific to be one of the rescue ships for the Apollo capsule. Okay. So the Navy sent several ships out to kind of, uh, you know, a grid an area where they knew that the caps would come down. That way they could scoop them up. The Hornet was one of those ships that was being sent back out to do that. So they restocked the ship for that mission, and then Dad was done, and he and a lot of his buddies were still in San Diego. That's where he actually met my mom uh, while the moon landing happened. And he remembered, he told me the whole story about getting together with his buddies and it was on TV and it was a big deal and they had beer and they felt like, you know, a little tiny part. He kind of laughed at it, but, you know, they felt like they were a little part of it since they'd been in the military and, and been in Vietnam. And uh, the, all of this pride and these vivid memories pouring out of my dad. And I turned to my mom. I'm like, wow, that's just amazing, Dad. Mom, what do you remember about that day? And my mom said, I don't know. I was probably in a park somewhere. I wasn't the one landing on the moon. Why would I care? <laughs> I was like in a park somewhere. It didn't matter. She's like, it, it, it wasn't, I, that didn't matter to my life. That didn't affect what I was doing that day. Why would I, yeah. that's so stupid to spend time thinking about something that didn't matter to me. And that was so my mom, like this bigger thing was happening in the world, but it didn't, it didn't affect her. It didn't, it didn't matter to her in that moment. So why? Why worry about it? Hopefully you didn't ask her where she was on 9-11. Now, Ross, I was yeah, baking right. some brownies. And, <laughs> right. You know, right. I was about my day. 9-11, what was that? You mean this last September 11th? Yeah, oh, I, I don't remember. Know, yeah, know probably watching a football game with your dad or something. She Every road trip we went on, Mark, and I, and 
we went for many years. Uh, every year we'd go up to Wisconsin to see her family and go up to the farm. Um, and most of those summer or most of those trips, I would just ride with my mom. My dad is a smoker uh, and my mom hated that. So they would almost always drive separately. And so it was just more fun to hop in with mom. And, and she'd tell you these stories about... Uh, every time you went on vacation, you took two cars? Well, dad rarely went to Wisconsin. He okay. would always find a reason not to go to mom's family. Uh, which is always <laughs> they weren't of, his favorite kind of a running joke uh, 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 with yeah. that but uh uh yeah every when we went on family vacations a lot of time it, mom and dad would drive in separate cars i mean first of all we have again i have a brother and a sister they my sister has three kids my brother has two kids yeah. i know i have two kids and we do things as a family i mean we several times so you need cars we need cars you convoy places and riding with mom was always a lot of fun because she was a veer off the road lady. I mean, I can tell you every single map dot between here and Madison, Wisconsin, and north of Milwaukee, because we've seen them all. Yeah, I know where the hula hoop tree is. Yeah. I know exactly how to get to the Field of Dreams. I know where Galena is. I we don't do enough it. of that in my family, except we were coming back from I think Okaboji would have been somehow got off track from where we normally go. Made that trip a thousand times. And I, I can't tell you, you, I'm sure you know the, the name of the town, but there's somewhere over there that's got the world's biggest popcorn ball. Oh, yeah. Is it Vinton? I think Vinton's by Iowa City, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vinton, but Vinton has the popcorn in a, Vinton has tiny popcorn. That's what this is. This is, is a gigantic popcorn ball like okay. in the center of this town. So we just veered off and saw it once, yeah. got out and looked at it. Dude, it's, that's it's the those, stuff. Those little things that you remember. And, the, and Mark, like, this goes back to a conversation uh, that you and I had several months ago about a Facebook post that I found really fascinating where Maxwell Schaefer asked people, if you could go back and relive one day of your life, not a, not a, not a time frame, if you could go back and relive one day, what would that day be? Hmm. And the answers to this are fascinating because very rarely, Mark, is it, Oh, dude, we took a trip to Paris. Yeah. And everything went as planned. Almost always, it's a day with grandpa, a day fishing with dad, a day at adventure. You know, like it's not, it's never the planned stuff that, oh man, we saved all of our money and we went to the pyramids and it was amazing. The impromptu stuff. It's always the impromptu stuff, man, that people, that life, those are the things that sink in. And that I'm telling you, mom was excellent at every day finding those things and going and doing those things and whenever you made a trip man you had to kind of plan that wiggle room and i mean several hours because in that crazy um, in that crazy mad rush of a day she would always find something that you needed it was always something you know uh, uh does everybody have water shoes oh, oh well we guess we got to go shopping then don't we damn it now we got to go spend money and go shopping and then every kid would get treats and every kid yeah. would get, you know, you'd come away with water shoes plus new Nike. Your mom and, just sounds like a shopaholic, Ross. She was. That's saying, part she of just a, liked to go to Kmart and Walmart and buy it up. She just liked to go, yeah. Mark. She just liked to go all the time. She and, wasn't a sitter, do nothing to No. No, no chance of that. That's uh, and she and honestly, I think that's what we're seeing here. Like my best friend Scott Rourke has said to me, we're a baseball family. And he said the best line of the day is like, dude, your mom's a tough out. She's just fouling off those two strike pitches. Yeah. And I and what it really is is that she just loves life. Yeah. She absolutely loves it. And I think she's it in that moment of having to let go, it's really hard to say, No, I'm 
I want one more adventure. I want I want to do yeah. one more thing. When she was in school, uh, got out of high school and started nursing school with her best friend, Mary Gates, and they got accepted into this exchange program where for six weeks they were going to go to Germany and work at a hospital in Germany, and these German nurses would come and work at the hospital in Milwaukee. Mom and Mary went to Germany, and they worked the first week, and they got their paycheck, and they packed up their backpacks, and they backpacked around Europe for the next five weeks. Mm-hmm. And that, and like that again, like the epitome of the adventure spirit that she had, yeah. which was, yeah, there's... Yeah, there's responsibilities, but this is my only chance to ever do this. Yeah. And I'm going to go do this thing that I never have the chance. I'm going to be able to work forever. And she did. You and I are, uh, I still have both my parents. My dad listens to this, in fact. Um, But you are a little different than me that you're incredibly close to your parents. You know, I like, I see my parents. So physically, yeah, I see them. And I go to trivia with my dad and stuff. But when I hear you talk about, um, stories and stuff like you just know these stories intimately you can tell that you've heard them a million times you've talked to them about these things you even said like your dad and you talk on the phone like every day almost every yeah, day almost every day go have lunch or go have breakfast you know that's just that's just not my reality and more than not, more, more than once a week I'll i'm not i'm not saying it's a bad thing it's just not but but if you said like tell tell me tell me some stories about your mom and things she did with her girlfriends and all that stuff i'd be like i, I don't really have any <laughs> Maybe I should get some. Maybe I should get some. You should, some. Mark. And, 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 and I even tried to, and you helped me out with this, tried to help me out with it, but we missed our opportunity. I'm going to, I have already got Mary convinced to do this with me. So I'm going to get it done. It's just not going to be in my mom's voice. Yeah. I really wanted my mom to tell these stories to me on a podcast. Yeah. And not even for the world to hear, for my daughter, for who's three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for them to hear would have been... Would have been awesome, but I'm going to get it done. It's just going to be Mary telling us the stories. We even had Mary on the phone uh, with my mom, you know, to say her goodbyes. And mom was, couldn't respond at this point. But I asked Mary, I'm like, hey, once this is all said and done, you, will you do a tell-all with me? And she said, I've got to get your mom's permission before I tell all the stories. And she said, what do you think, Jean? Can I tell her all that? And, of course, mom couldn't yeah. respond. So I hope that isn't her out to say she doesn't have to those tell are the, Those are the stories that you wait for mom to be gone before you hear. I my, think, my, my mom did that. I think what? I know most of them. Her best friend, Nancy Austin, did the other day when we were sitting, because Mary lives down in Alabama now, and Nancy's her friend, her best friend here in town. Uh, Nancy... And I started sharing some stuff and I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to tell you the details that I know about this Europe backpack trip. Yeah. And you tell me where, where you can fill stuff in. And I got to, uh, uh, I got to about day three or so I felt like in my memory. And all of a sudden Nancy said, oh, so you don't know about Iceland. And I was like, what? And she goes, you don't, you don't, you don't know about marrying your mom going to Iceland at all. And mom had never mentioned Iceland yeah. to me. I know that. And so I was like, ooh. And she goes, She oh. went down and, in and, Iceland. Yeah, Nancy even said, there's a reason you don't know about the stories oh. in Iceland. So, but, you know, who knows what. Mom had a past. Mom, mom was a fun lady, man. She lived life, Mark. She did. And, and it's like, uh, you know, that's, that's in a weird part of all this, too, is that um, I remember hearing this about mourning from Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Remember Dr. Laura? I do, yeah. She talked about how we mourn the fact that we mourn is proof that life is very special. Like we, what mourning is, is you're sad that this person can't enjoy this life with you anymore, that they, they can't 
be here anymore to laugh and love and and enjoy, right? Well, and they're not here for you to love. Right, right, but they're just, they're not here to to be a part of this anymore. Yeah. And that's that alone is proof that this is something special and it's something to be cherished and enjoyed. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, I do, that's mom was the epitome of that. Like get out, enjoy this life. It's short. You got one time around and might as well stop and see the hula hoop tree and get ice cream Yeah. because you're going to regret it if you don't. You know, it's crazy. And, and that is, and that is where those memories are made. We think about life as being a, a, an adventure and it is, and it's what you make of it. But, Imagine for a second if once you die, what awaits on the other side is an even bigger one. Like pales in comparison, like this life pales in comparison to what's next. You know, and that's whatever, right? There's a religious component to that, of course. But even if it wasn't religious and it was just the next thing that you go experience, maybe it's that. You know, people obviously believe in reincarnation. Some people do. And we don't know as we sit here what it is, but I don't think it's nothingness. I don't think it's just done, and that's it. I think there's something awaits. Something awaits your mom from here, man. Mark, so. I, yeah, that's a uh, that's a really good one, man. That's a there's an Alan Watts thought on uh, on nothingness that I think applies to this, man. And that is uh, he, he he talks a lot about contrast, right? That when you look at a when you look at a page, you think all the information is in the black ink, but if it weren't on the white paper. It, it wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get any of the information out yeah. so so the contrast is where is where the the value is found in life sure and i you don't know happiness until you've been sad you yeah. don't know heat until you've been cold so there so knowing that that contrast is a big part of this there is something about this that that idea of wondering what this is wondering what being is and and the idea behind the contrast of it is the only reason you wonder what this is is because somewhere in your head you know that there's a place where this isn't. You know that you know that something else exists. That's why we wonder what this is because somewhere in our subconscious we know that there's something else too. Or we ask ourselves what was the point of this? Right. And I and I I've always loved that idea that even questioning it is in some way proof that it exists. Searching for it is in some way proof that it's there. Yeah. And I, and right now, it's obviously, those are very comforting things for me right now to think that someday I get to talk to mom again and, uh, and you know, run around Adventureland or whatever that place <laughs> is, you know, whatever that equivalent is that she's, and, you know, we've talked about this with the family. No surprise that mom took this adventure first. No surprise that yeah. she's doing it on her own. And that she'll be the one that's uh, that's waiting for us. I think I was talking, told you this the other day when we were talking about this. I said uh, the one part, like we we do hope that yeah we get to see we get to see mom again and like all of that that gives us hope and hope's an important thing. The part I hope people are wrong about is when they say things like mom's up there right now looking down on us. She can see what we're doing. I'm like, oh my god! I hope my mom cannot look down and see what I'm up oh, to right man. now, dude. Yeah, she'd be very disappointed. That's, That's like no doubt. My about mom that. just saw my wife get the shocker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's. That's not cool, man. <laughs> Nate's mom saw him in the Ozarks last weekend. What's oh, up, Nate? So horrible. We won't bring Nate on for Ozark stories. Thank you for letting me do this for because that that uh, that was cathartic for me, man. I yeah. hadn't I haven't had a chance to talk about a lot of that stuff and just kind of 
And I'm, I'm sure it seemed rambly at times, but no, you. we were going to digest maybe a couple other topics, but uh, you just rambled about your mom for 54 minutes. Ross, dare so I. Congratulations. So we're going to be nice. We're going to end it there, but we're glad you're back. You're back amongst us and, uh, you know, already working, baby. Got a listing coming up, helping got, out, uh, helping out a couple buyers. You, you got know some me. listings coming up. You're, you're out there. If you need to buy or sell a house, call Charter House. We're busy. We're helping people do exactly that. Houses are selling quick. So with that, thanks, Ross, for uh, the story and sharing. And we will see you guys next week. Another episode of Jump the Shark is in the books. Ross and I hope you had fun with us and we made your week a little better. If you love the show, you can help the show. Please subscribe to us wherever it is you listen to your podcast. You can also show some love by telling others about Charterhouse Real Estate. We have made it easy for you to talk about us by charging sellers a lot less commission. They will thank you for giving them our name. We truly appreciate your support, and we will talk to you next week.